We've been in a series where we've been talking about the blessed statements in Matthew chapter 5. We've probably all heard them before. And uh, we often read them from this translation called the Kingdom New Testament where it says wonderful news. And what we've been saying again and again and again, because it really matters, is these are actual people in an actual crowd that Jesus is talking to. And the people he's talking to are faithful, faithful Jewish people on the fringes of that circle, on the fringes of that crowd, who often felt like they had been left out. And Jesus is telling us something about his kingdom. Um, the thing he talks about more than anything else, the kingdom of God. He invites people to follow, it, follow him and live in the fullness of his kingdom. And that's where we come to as we come to this morning. And uh, before I read our verses this morning, let me pray for us. Father, I pray that you, through your word, would speak life. God, where our hopes and dreams or our understandings of things get in the way, I pray that you would move in and you would speak goodness and life and truth, that we would follow you more faithfully. Pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit and all God's people said, amen. We are in verses 13 through 16. I'm going to fly through this. The second half of the message, I'm going to actually interview uh, a friend. So we're going to fly through these few verses and uh, hopefully get a sense of what they're about. Verses 13 through 16 are in reality a hinge. They look back to the Beatitudes, the blessed, but they also look forward to the rest of this sermon, which is so important to understand. So Jesus says in verse 13, you're the salt of the earth. We've been coming off all these blessed or all these wonderful news statements where Jesus was looking at people in the crowd who felt like maybe they had been left out, left behind. And now he says, you're. And if you think about it, I, what I think he's saying here is he's looking to the whole of this crowd, the whole of the people that are sitting out there who are Israelites, who are Jews. And now he's talking to the crowd. Now he's saying something they need to hear. And he says, you are the salt. And we know what salt does. It preserves, it flavors, all those things. If you've heard messages on this, it's really sat with the idea of salt and light. I, I want to look a little bigger picture. But he says, you, you, you God's people, you the Jews, you are the salt of the earth. The word for earth literally means land. The place in which you're standing. You are supposed to be the salt of Israel. Being the presence of God and the hope of God in the place where you're at. That's what you're called to do. And then he says this. But if the salt becomes tasteless, how is it going to be salty again? It's no good for anything. You might as well throw it out and walk all over it. And then another, your statement. Looking them, God's people, and he says this. You're the light of the world. So you're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the land in which you live on, in which you actually have your house and your job and everything you do. You're supposed to be God's people there, living out the ways of God there. But now you are the light of the world. And the world is the word cosmos. You are supposed to be light in darkness everywhere. And it has this, this sort of movement towards the Gentiles. That's one of the big things in the New Testament. The Jews and the Gentiles, and the Jews sort of thought God was all for them. And, and you keep getting pushed. That God is not just for any one group of people. But God's story is a little bigger than that. So he says to this crowd of faithful Jews, you are to be the light to the Gentiles. A city cannot be hidden if it's on top of the hill. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bucket. They put it on a lampstand. They, 
and it gives light to everyone in the house, that's how you must shine your light in front of people. Then they will see the wonderful things you do and they'll give glory to your Father in heaven. And the challenge to this crowd at this moment is to be the people that God had called them to be. And again and again and again, especially if you are a faithful first century follower of Yahweh, it all went back to Genesis 12, the promise to Abraham, the covenant, the agreement with Abraham. When God said, I'm going to bless you and you will be a, say it, blessing. I'm going to bless you and you will be a blessing to the nations. That was the core sort of reality of what they were called to be, what they were about, and they had lost focus. And the problem was, and I think we see in the text, we see throughout the narrative of Jesus, the problem was they had basically become like everyone else. Politics, power, infighting, zealots trying to overthrow government, the Essenes that we talked about last week, this group sort of retreating from everything, and Jesus is saying, no, there's a different way. There's a different way that I have come to show you. And at the end of the day, this is such a good word for us, right? What does it mean to be salt and light? And often we accommodate to our culture. We become too much like our culture that we lose our ability to flavor. We lose our ability to bring light in darkness. And I'm not talking culture wars. I'm not talking fighting battles. I'm talking about being salt and light, the presence of Jesus where we are. And it's interesting. I, I wasn't planning on doing this, but the more I got studying, you have to read a little bit of the verses that follow because the question is how? If Jesus is talking to this first century group and he's saying you've lost your ability to be who you're called to be, then what, what, what and why and how? And verse 17 starts to get at it. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. If you're a Pharisee sitting in the crowd, you're like, yeah, game on. Jesus is about the law. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. In their mind, they're thinking all 600 laws and then all the different interpretations of the laws. And it just, I mean, it's, it's big. It's, it's, it's large. 19, therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And if you were a religious leader, you're like, this guy gets it. But then he keeps preaching. And he starts quoting the law. You've heard it said, such and such. But I tell you this, he says, you know the word of the law, but you forgot the heart. God is about the transformation of the heart, which then connects to who we are and what we do and how we see something like the law. You see, in the first century, they're waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting for the deliverer. They're waiting for a king. And we often look at it, and often we'll look at it, and we'll say, uh, you know, Jesus, some people say Jesus was just a good teacher. And they'll miss the fact that he's a revolutionary. But others will think Jesus is a revolutionary, and they'll disconnect it from the fact that he came to first century Israel to fulfill God's story, to be the hope that had been promised. And what Jesus is, is a revolutionary 
who's fulfilling the hope of Israel, that God's story is embedded in God's people. And you and I are God's people today. Later on in this sermon, chapter 7, verse 12, Jesus gets at the heart of the law. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do for you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Later on, when Jesus is asked, what's the greatest law? What does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he gets revolutionary and he says, love your neighbor as yourself. This is about who we are in relationship to God, but it's about who we are as the people that move out as the people of God. It's interesting, at the end of the sermon in chapter 7, verses 28 and 29, it says this. When Jesus, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. And I would propose, it's because Jesus said, it's about what your heart relationship is to me and trusting that I am everything that I say I am that you begin to live in the fullness of the kingdom now as people who see the world in a different way. Jesus was salt and light, right? If you look at the gospels, Jesus again and again was salt and light, inviting people to come and follow him and being hope and justice and mercy to the least, the lost, the left behind. When we talk about what this, what this sort of heart thing is, that, that's what it is. That's why we're doing this in the lobby this Sunday. Is we think that the good news of Jesus Christ transforms our hearts and moves us out in the world as different people who invite others to follow Jesus Christ and who bring hope and redemption and justice to people who are on the fringes. That's what it is to be the church. So I'm gonna invite a friend of mine, Ruth, to come up. Ruth Kessler and uh, she'll tell you a little bit about herself in a second. But Ruth is coming up. When you were out in the lobby, you saw a lot of different organizations that are local. And uh, they hit both sides of it. Some of them are very much about inviting people to follow Christ. And others are about being hope and justice to the least, the lost, and the left behind. And almost as representative of that, representative, struggling to talk this morning, um, I've asked Ruth to come up, and I, I want to interview her. She sort of represents one of them, but we want you to know we, as we go out of here, want you to engage, to go by those tables, to pray for those organizations, to find ways to partner, to give your time, your money, and your talents. So the Crossview is known as a church that is making the presence of Christ and hope and change and justice a reality in Mankato. Can I get an amen? That's who we want to be, right? And so... Ruth, with all that said, I'm done preaching. You get to preach now. Wonderful. Ruth, uh, give it, you know a lot of people here, but a lot of people are new and, and don't know you. Who, who are you? My name is Ruth Kessler, and I, our family has been in this church for about 17 years. I am the manager of the Neighborhood Thrift Store in Lower North Mankato, like Brad said. And I was raised in a very conservative, small town in central Minnesota, population about 500. So coming to Mankato and now being involved in the thrift store, I've... Um, seen a lot of new you, things. And you grew up as a PK. Anybody know what PK stands for? Pastor's kid. Um, so I, I told her my kids will be going to her for counseling at some place sure. sometime sure. down the road. Bring them. Um, but yeah, what came from the, the thriving, metro, thriving town of 500 to the city 
of Mankato sure. and uh, with that journey and all that that has look, looked like. I, I had a couple of people come up after the first service who know Ruth well and said um, Ruth was being too humble um, as she sort of shares her story and that's the type of people we want to share their story, right? And so as you listen to Ruth, I encourage you to find ways to interact with her to hear more of the story. But tell us a little bit about the thrift store and its relationship to PACT. Well, PACT Ministries is an organization, nonprofit organization, that um, serves two purposes. One is the food for all, monthly food for all. The other one is the neighborhood thrift store. The thrift store was founded by a former pastor, Pastor Jim Dinsmore, in 1994. And the mission is to provide the most basic of needs for people, food and clothing and low um, household items. Uh, if, if you didn't get that, it's, it's food and clothing. Um, and I think one of the things that often we get living our lives in our neighborhoods and in our schools and all the places we do life, um, we forget that there are people among us that don't have a meal in our city in our, in our neighborhoods. Um, and there are people, I had somebody come up who works with seniors, and she said often she'll bring a senior into Ruth who has nothing, is at the end of their rope, you know, family doesn't engage much with them, and Ruth will help them find clothing and sort of get set with life as they're in a place where they, they just feel hopeless. So um, they packed in the thrift store, do some really, really cool ministry, and once again, as sort of representative of everything that's going on here. So um, give us a couple. I, I, Ruth and I got to just chat for this week for a while, and I, I love the stories. I mean, give us a couple of stories. I think stories inspire us to be agents of change. Well, and stories are the fun part of it. Um, Chris, do you want to put the food one up? There we go. Um, we connect with a lot of different nonprofits in the community. We've also been blessed to connect with Cub and Hy-Vee, which provides um, bakery products on our shelves. And then the board has also allocated money for us to buy staples, um, cereal, peanut butter, tuna, mac and cheese, um, things that people can kind of just stretch their food a little bit. Um, one guy came in one day and got a loaf of bread off the shelf and a jar of peanut butter and said, I really want to thank you because now I get to eat this week. And I didn't, I didn't take that lightly. I didn't take it as like a sarcastic or... Um, Capital, you know, is capitalizing on free food or whatever, but it, it, was, it was really meeting a need. One of my favorite stories happened about four years ago. <clears throat> this young mom came in, it was towards the end of the day, and her cart was just heaped with baby items and baby clothes. And not being the shy person that I am, I walked up to her and I said, wow, it looks like you really found some good things. And she said, well, here's my story. She said, I have a baby of my own and um, he outgrew some of his clothes, so I wanted to sell them on Craigslist. And she's from Lesur. And she said, I went to put them all on Craigslist, and um, things started popping up, you know, people buying my stuff. And so she said, I didn't want to be scammed or taken advantage of, so I was going to go visit my neighbors and see what's going on. And she said, you won't believe the need in my own neighborhood. Um, there was one guy who was losing his job. There was another family who was going to have a baby and didn't have a crib for the baby. Um, other people didn't, didn't have clothes, they needed clothes. So she said, I sold all my stuff on Craigslist and I brought that money and I'm going to buy things for my neighbors and give back to them even more. And this other customer walked by and she said, I didn't mean to eavesdrop on your conversation, but I did. And here's $10 towards your effort. And it's not the monetary mat the money that matters so much. It's that people want to find what the needs are. They want to do something because people want to do things that matter. Which I... Is, I mean, that we, we all want to be that, and sometimes it's just framing our life so that we can actually do things and be people that matter. So give us, give us another story or two. The, 
There are a couple um, other really great ones that you're sharing. Yeah, we we do connect with the customers. There's you know the regulars, there's the people you see, but sometimes those relationships aren't very deep, so or very long lasting. You know, it's hey, have a good day, help yourself, you know, whatever. Um, but it's a lot with the staff and volunteers. And there's this one staff member who could not be more polar opposite from me. <clears throat> Growing up in little white conservativeville USA, 500 pastor's house, um, and I in this working relationship with this really big black guy. And uh, we had a conversation one time, and... Black guy, tell us where he's from, though. I mean, oh, he's, he grew up in the projects in Chicago. Project Chicago, small town Minnesota, 500. So you're little getting, different cultures, I'm guessing. Yeah, she didn't have to choose her gang until she was 13. <laughs> so go ahead. Um, but I, I just want to connect with people. That's, that's, where, that's where I think... Um, the rubber hits the road. Yeah, yeah. And he was saying one time, we were talking about racism, and I'm clearly very naive about the whole topic. Um, and he said, well, I just let people off the hook because when they say racial things, I just figure they just don't know any better. And I said, you know what? That's not right. Ignorance is not a reason to be mean to someone. Um, so we, we just kind of agreed to disagree that he has no idea what it's like to grow up in conservative Christian, intact marriage, family, and I have no idea what it's like to to come from where he came from, but we agreed to disagree and to just move on. The story's not over. Yeah. But and the the neat thing, as Ruth was talking about that, was this idea that they they um, uh, in essence are trying to really practice dignity and humanity right. towards the other, where you get to know each other's right. story, right? Right, yeah. right. And that was you know speaking of the dignity thing that with with the food for all it, it happens once a month at Goodrich Construction, mm-hmm. and people start calling. It's the second Saturday of the month, and people start calling the store like on Wednesdays and thir- Wednesday by Wednesday Thursday. They want, they want more information, and secretly I'm always hoping that they'll ask me one particular question beyond where's it located, what's it cost, da 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 da. Um, and the question is, do I have to bring any kind of um, income verification? Because these are people who. I think are used to being in the system, being marginalized. And I love it when they ask that because I get to say, no, you just come and you know, you get to keep your dignity intact and just come and, and let us bless you. Isn't that awesome? So tell tell us a little bit of I mean, what what is the thrift store perhaps pack doing to be a blessing, to be salt and light in our community? You know, I think we, like I said, we have partnered with a number of organizations, nonprofits within the community, Cub and Hy-Vee, you know, stores. Um, we have a voucher program with CADA, which is the Domestic violent, domestic Abuse House in Mankato. Um, different Salvation Army, we've, I just can't even list all the organizations that we partner with. And then it's, again, the customers, it's the people, it's the staff, it's the volunteers. And they're not, like I said earlier, the customers, sometimes you don't get very deep of a conversation. But with the staff and volunteers, it's, we've become friends and family. Well... As you walk out of here this morning, let me just give you an overview of what's going to be there. We're going to go to the table and, and, and do a little more worship here. But um, to the right as you go out is Campus Crusade, InterVarsity, uh, Crew, Young Life, and the Friendship Family Program, 900-plus international students at MSU. Um, and it's, if your heart is moved towards that and you want to leverage some of what God has given you, great opportunity. To the left is Gentle Shepherd, which works in prisons and uh, with seniors and some of these statistics around seniors that are just left behind. It will break your heart. Um, Reach, which works with teens who are often uh, homeless teens. Uh, Ava, which is around domestic abuse and then Pact. And uh, 
please, at the end of the service, take some time out in the lobby. Um, if it's just praying for an organization, great. But I want to encourage you, families, small groups, individuals, find ways to make a difference in our community. Um, it matters beyond what you know. Jesus, thanks for this time. Thanks for Ruth and her story and all you're doing through Pact, or Pact in the Thrift Store, God. And for all these organizations and for us as a community, God, I pray that we would be the agents of change, that we would be your people and your will, inviting people to follow you and being with and for and about the people on the fringe. We give this all to you in your name. Amen.